Welcome, friends, to Historical AF. I'm Kina. Hello, 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 Baudelaire's. It is I, Jolly J, back from the dead. We are a historian and a special guest delivering you the random and historical game nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Games, yay. This is games part three. This is the finale. So much that we could have done, and we didn't really touch on board games or card games. So I'm thinking that should be its own theme soon. It's just fascinating, especially with like Queen's Gambit coming out. Like everybody's obsessed with it. Computer games, I think, could probably be its own theme. That'd be fun. Oh, oh yeah. I was going to do a yeah. history of video games, and my God, that is what I primarily watched was a, a Netflix documentary called High Score, which is about the early history of video games from like the Atari 2600 to Doom kind of era. Yeah. Over the early 90s. So. The fact that it's six parts, hour long for each one, and there's just chock full of nuggets, and then you're like, huh, I didn't know that. Fucking lot. Hell yeah. I'll put that on the list of Patreon poll suggestions. Like computer games, I remember having, I had an Amiga. Like, what Amiga? I had an Amiga way back in the day, and we had computer (laughs) games, and we had some like weird shit. Like, we had something that Leisure Suit Larry. If anybody else remembers that, oh my god, I do. (laughs) I never played it, but I knew of it. It was one of those naughty games that I always wanted to. Like, he just dropped trowel. Like, if you went in the right rooms, I don't know why. I. I don't know why I played it. I think my mom was like, you're too young to comprehend what's happening. I was just moving around. But yeah, it's I like, love those games. And I remember like DOS, uh, you know, the kind where you had to type out what you were doing and there was no visuals. Like my grandpa <laughs> was really into those. What? I'm so glad I'm not alone. Like you guys yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm uh, sorry. Amber in the comments knows what I'm I talking know. about. No, yeah, no so. she doesn't either. No, nobody knows. <laughs> so yeah, definitely that's going to have to be a theme because now I'm yeah. a- Okay, stop thinking well, about But we're talking about other games today. Well, no, I'm talking about video games, but that's because I'm apparently the only one that thought of video games. And I love mm. video games. I okay, here. So my personality, right? I get kind of hyper fixated, I think is the uh, official word for <laughs> mm. for when I play things because I get obsessed and I don't get anything else done. I have to make myself not play video games. Like Animal Crossing was a problem. I played it so much that I never left the couch. I have to make myself not play video games. It's a personality flaw. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I could go on a tangent on just what I do when my son falls asleep and just the numerous amounts of games I try to fit in an hour. That is a task. So how you been, Jolly J? You were here for movies. We talked about horror films. How's yeah. life been treating you since then? <laughs> uh, well, thank God that I get to work from home. I never leave my house, and I'm kind of a hermit. I'm shocked I am in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but my girlfriend's also a patron, and uh, we fucking love you. And um, around Christmas time, it was kind of a lot of stuff going on, catching COVID, thinking my grandpa was going to die. Turns out he had COVID. We all got it. Fun stuff. Still dealing with the after effects of that. Kids get vaccinated. Yeah. But just working, parenting, trying not to go nuts. Well, I'm glad you're doing better. Yeah. Um, we mentioned this in the extra, but yeah, one of our Patreon fam has COVID right now and kicking its ass. So mm-hmm. send in all our love still to you, Amber. Good God. All the love to everybody out there dealing with it. And hopefully everybody's getting vaccinated and most states are lifting it where everybody can get it. So that's exciting. Texas just lifted ours. and I think ours lifted this month Mm -hmm. as well. So thank God for that. Yeah. I'm obese. So thank God for that as well. (laughs) I love all the TikToks where people are like, you might call me fat, but you know what? I qualify for the vaccine. (laughs) Exactly. And it was like a low. It was like a low BMI too that qualified. Yeah. Like that's not even obese. I don't. I don't understand it. I, the BMI is just an old standard. And you know what? At this moment in time, I'm not going to complain. Other than that, I'll be like, "How dare you? Yeah. I am a D cup. I am not that obese." <laughs> I'm usually like, you know, it was invented by an astronomer, right? Right. He wasn't even a doctor. 
whatever. Yeah. Semantics. BMI. Freaking BMI. That's a rant for another time. <laughs> All right, we'll just jump into it. Let's kick off this bad boy with some random. And the random <sighs> word was joystick. Thank you, Taru. <laughs> that actually helped me decide on what I wanted to finally do. As soon as I heard games was going on, I was like, video games. <laughs> Dibs. <I'm> par- <laughs> Dibs, I messaged you and I was like, I want in. Found some little tidbits here and there. I'm going to kind of do a did you know kind of a thing. I like it. Just a couple. And then I'm going to go on my big one of why parents kind of (laughs) suck. So so let's start with did you know that Nintendo was in fact a playing card company before they did video games? What? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, they, they've they been around a very long time. It is from the 1800s. Oh. Fucking hell. That is old. <laughs> yeah, it was a card company. Of, yeah, but basically they did playing cards, and they kind of moved towards other stuff, like other like board games. And then they started mo- moving towards electronics, then finally deciding on video games into what it's known now that we will sell our souls to. Oh, yeah. Immensely. But well, that's really cool. I did not know that. But I'm glad they they created this because they changed the world. Yes, it did. And did you know on that note as well, apparently this is all connected. Did you know that because of Nintendo, we got the PlayStation? I, I feel like it makes sense. I don't know exactly how PlayStation came along, but I I imagine that Nintendo was like an inspiration. So kind of the general gist is around the 90s, they Nintendo was like, hey, we got to get on this CD-ROM phase and we got to, you know, make something good and kind of powerful. So they reached out to Sony Electronics and were like, hey, can you design this for us? And so they were kind of spitballing ideas around and they're like, okay, let's do a third party games and stuff. We're not going to just make it solely Mario and whatever. So, of course, there were some disagreements and Sony said deuces. But then they're like, well, it's kind of a good idea. Let's do our own thing. And that was the PlayStation until what it's known today as one of the most frustrating things that you can try and find right now (laughs) on that note did you know (laughs) watch me not know any of this that two gaming companies that were involved with playstation are kind of big giants nowadays meaning naughty dog and insomniac if those ring a bell they do not. <laughs> so, this is how much of a gaming nerd I am. Going on the way back machine, let's go back all the way to the heyday of PlayStation. We got Ooh. this little gaming company called Naughty Dog. Comes out with Crash Motherfucking Bandicoot. Oh. Produced the first three games. And then they're like, no, we're going to work on another project. They do the Jack and Dexter series. After that, for the PS2. After the PS2 era, they were going to make like a bigger scale of it because of the PS3 coming out and bigger hardware and stuff. It looked really fucking weird. So they said, never mind. Create a whole new original property. Uncharted. Oh, okay. I know Uncharted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So they did that. And around Uncharted 3, if it seems like it was kind of a clusterfuck of a game... That's because they split the dev team in two. They focused on that one and The Last of Us. Okay. Oh, oh, wow. We had Uncharted at the Teen Center. One of my favorite games. Yeah. Or actually, Uncharted 4 is one of my favorite games. <laughs> in the comments. Nathan Drake, indeed. Yes. The comments are on fire. Shameless plug. If you yeah. join Patreon, Shameless you can watch plug. live and yes. be able to comment along. They're cracking Exactly, up. people. <laughs> And with them recently causing controversy with The Last of Us Part 2, which, here's my controversial opinion. I think it was better than the first one. 
Oh, hot take. Oh, hot take. <laughs> if, you want, if you have a problem with that, you can at me at Dorcas under slash Maximum. Is that, is that it? Fuck, I even forgot my Twitter handle. It sounds, Never mind. Real, it sounds yes, right. Yes, that sounds about right. <laughs> so there's that one. And then going back to Insomniac, they did this little thing called Spyro the Dragon. Okay, that sounds And that familiar. was the PlayStation era as well. They did the first three. And then they moved on to Ratchet and Clank, y'all. Oh, I they know did, that one. Yeah, they did the first three of those. And then they moved on to Resistance. Well, if anybody played Resistance, I did not have a PS3, so I never played it. But that was a very popular franchise mm-hmm. for the PS3. And then from there, they did an Xbox One soul game called Sunset Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Fantastic game. And then they did the Spidey games for PS4 that were phenomenal. These are all yeah. things I ordered for the library. <laughs> I'm like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> the main topic that I wanted to talk about, kind of going all the way back. Can you guess what two games caused parents to lose their shit, take to Congress, and create the ESRB? Everybody's favorite rating system for video games. Okay. What what decade? Is this 90s? 93. 93? Okay. I know. I feel old because I wasn't even born yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> 94. And, shameless plug for me, my birthday is in a couple of weeks. I was 10. Ah, I'm so old. Happy early birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. Okay, 90s. 90, 90, 90. Was it... Tomb Raider? No, wait. Resident Resident Evil? That was 90s, wasn't it? Oh, the that was like 96? Okay. okay. I think. I'm trying to think what was too sexy and too violent. <laughs> one's too violent, one's too sexy. Okay, okay. I got this. Okay. Maybe that's the only two that I actually played in the 90s. <laughs> I don't remember. This is the fun one that I was saving. Was it uh, was it a zombie one? Was it a shooter? Mm-mm. Okay, was it? Nope, nope, not Doom. Mortal Kombat. That's one. I totally stole that from the comments. My bad, Kelly. <laughs> oh yeah, no, okay. she she had it. Too sexy. Um, this one is too fucking obscure okay, for anybody. Okay. Night Trap. Anybody okay. remembers that old piece of shit? I don't. No. You shouldn't. It was <laughs> terrible. So I'll kind of go into Night Trap first, because this is the fuck shittery that this whole thing. <sighs> fucking Karens and Chads, man. So, okay. Hashtag fuck shittery. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fuck shittery indeed. So Night Trap is this old school. God, I hate saying all that. It was a full motion video. So it was like half a movie that you had to control these traps because some vampires were crashing a slumber party. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the thing is, they didn't bite people. They had a grabber thingy that sucked the blood out of someone. But Mm. basically, you had to control the traps and you had to like switch the camera between each room. It was kind of like, Kind of what maybe inspired Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, okay. So it's kind of that concept. When you watch or look at it, you're just like, this is a B-movie horror film piece of shit that you can just throw on in the background. Why the fuck did this cause any problems? Of course, take something out of context. Um, Yay. It's so, boobs. Was it boobs? <laughs> Out of context, boobs. boobs. No, there's no boobs. That's the thing. There's no boobs. There's no blood. There's like no hardcore anything. It's, uh, but again, this is before the M rating. So, or any rating for that matter. Basically, the scene is this person in their nineties. The the vampire thingies come in and they're like gonna, you know, they're holding their back and they're taking the blood and so of course. That's what they use and like, hey, this is anti-female. Hey, this is highly perverse and sexualized, even though 
the game is kind of like, hey, prevent that from happening. Don't yeah. let that happen. Okay. I mean, when you watch it, though, it's a really just cheesy, bad thing. Especially knowing what we know now of video games. <laughs> when everybody's like, oh, Grand Theft Auto? The best one of them all. Mortal Kombat, that one's more justifiable. That's like, okay, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Because of group of people, but the two big names, Ed Boon and, oh, fuck, it's always the second guy that I always forget, John Tobias. So they started Mortal Kombat as kind of a what if, because Street Fighter just came out, and that was like the big arcade game that was like, ooh, it's a fighting game, and ooh, this is fun. These guys were like, what if we take that concept and we make it bloody as fuck? We kind of make it like a tribute to Jean-Claude Van Damme. And we just kind of make it a little tongue in cheek. Mortal Kombat. And that was shockingly in the arcades way before it was even on the consoles. Yeah. Thus leading back to joystick. Ah, Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Kids are going to flock to that. They're just be like, yeah, I'm going to rip somebody's... Trigger warning, everybody. <laughs> ripping the heart out of the body, beating heart, ripping the skull off their head with the spine attached, uh, <laughs> freezing the person, then shattering them, ripping off your mask, get the skull mask, and then you burn them alive. And then it just gets way more graphic way later on in they got really creative lately. Yeah. We had the kind of toned down version at the teen center, the one that was rated teen. So oh. that it was less bloody and less violent. But yeah, it was just kids screaming, finish him. It was- finish. Or the DC uh, version where it's. Yeah. Injustice yeah. and or or Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We played Challenge. those at the library. <laughs> but yeah. So because of. Those two games, those were kind of the biggest examples that parents, of course, were like, uh, do you see this? They're ripping a heart out of someone's body. And this one, they're sexually assaulting a woman, even though it's like, again, out of context. Then that's a whole nother mess. Can of worms. <laughs> can of worms. There we go. I mean, but in this instance, talking about the game. You got the extreme and you got a really piss poor example of something that was misconstrued. Mm-hmm. But because of those two things, they were taken to court. Uh, not not just court. Congress court. Hashtag Congress court. Okay. <laughs> and because of that ruling, we got the ESRB Hi. rating. That's where we got the E, the T, the M, and apparently there's AO, adults only lewd games as i like to call it but oh, those are yeah. those are a kiss of death so if you have them either you're looking for those type of games or uh non-existent kind of like nc-17 films unless it's a very very detailed foreign film mm-hmm. then uh you aren't gonna see one i can go on and on about the N- mpaa itself bunch of old fucks rating movies so this is a bunch of old fucks rating games and you gotta um, get really questionable i mean when you um <laughs> exactly you play witcher for the plot right <laughs> or you wink. play or you play cyberpunk for the plot wink are those what are those ao i've never no. played witcher no those are m Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything that was an AO. I I think I'm, I'm curious. I, I only <laughs> heard that GTA San Andreas was supposed to be AO just because of one thing that they had to cut out. Oh. That's it's like, again, I'm not looking for that kind of thing. I mean. Oh, that's just okay. I Googled. That's yeah. like full ass pornographic. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> porn basically. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, all because of Mortal Kombat and a really stupid game called Night Trap that we got the rating system. That's that so have. fascinating. Like, I could under I could see the Mortal and Kombat. The other one just kind of cracks me up. 28 years ago. I mean, fuck, it's not even that old. Yeah. Yeah. 
In the comments, Michelle said that she defended that game in her media law class. That sounds really cool. That does sound pretty cool. I mean, of course, there was like, hey, this is for mature audiences or whatever. You know, there'd be like a minor warning on the cover mm-hmm. or something. But the fact that Night Trap was sold in Toys R Us. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they had to pull it. That's hilarious. Yeah. And yet there were worse games. There there was one. I, I was going to bring this one up, but it's way too fucked up for me to even kind of want to describe it. Google General Custer's Revenge. Okay. If you know it, I mean, it's infamous. But this was for the Atari 2600. Oh, okay. So, so old. Google it real fast. I want you to look it up. Oh, God. Google okay. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. No, no peer pressure. Pressure. I'm doing it. I'm Do it. doing it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 Er- oh, is that a yeah. dick? Yeah, that's a dick. <laughs> and remember, that is in the heyday of video games. <laughs> it's so pixelated. Okay, we're going to share this. Okay, let me yeah. share screen. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, another reason. You should join Patreon. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That is just... I could share audio. <laughs> I can't deny you this sweet Atari sound. Okay, here we go. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> Uh, he's totally he's banging her. Oh my god, that's all the game is. Oh my god, yeah, that's all the game is. Is that? Oh, oh dear. Is that like? Yep. What's what's that coming out of the sky? Is that like meteors? Arrows. That, arrows. Okay, that makes more sense. Because you're 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 doing that to Native American women. Oh, God, I didn't yeah. put that together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so bad. General Custer's Revenge, everybody. Yay, that got away with everything. Oh, Well, I, so I'm assuming it not all the way, but the fact that that came out oh, way longer than, uh, yep. Oh, that's so problematic. Who Who's sitting yeah. in that room brainstorming? And they're like, I got it. This is what we're going to make. I'll do it for you. (laughs) And then everybody's like, yeah, that checks out. That's going to be awesome. There will never be a problem with that. Anybody that just joined watching it during that is probably like, and I'm going to log out now. (laughs) Side note that I forgot, kind of going way, way, way back to the start, because I totally forgot about this random thing, or not random, important thing. Because of oversaturation and just everybody kind of getting fucking tired. Of it because the Atari 2600 just pumped out games in the early 80s. And Uh the icing on the cake was the E.T. game. If you've heard of that controversy. Which that was one of the first games I ever played. Because of that, there was the game crash. And basically, the gaming industry was DOA. It was basically going to be extinct. Until Nintendo came along with the Famicom the family computer and then for when they then brought the thingy over to the thingy no, strike that reverse it when they decided to westernize that they redesigned it as the nintendo entertainment system oh, okay. or the nes yeah and did you know that's what saved video games da 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 what was the E.T. controversy? I don't think I remember the controversy. Oh, it was made like within six weeks or something. It was made really fast. Oh, okay. And it was just a piece of shit game. I mean, uh, Angry Video Game Nerd did a whole movie about it. Okay. And, and, so it uh, wasn't fact, any quality left in games. It was just how fast you could get it out in the market. It, it was oversaturation and just more quantity over quality. It just what, what kind of killed Guitar Hero. Back when those were out. Yeah. yeah. But that's usually the kind of the warning sign. Like, hey, if you just pump out all these games like Assassin's Creed died out after a while. Call of Duty died out after a while. But now they're kind of coming back. Yeah. 
again and everybody's now like okay they're fine again because i remember when everybody was like oh fuck assassin's creed oh fuck call of duty now they're just like all right yeah odyssey was fun oh yeah no i liked origins call of duty black ops cold war that was fucking awesome (laughs) so it's it's a cyclical thing but i mean i know with the pandemic going on and the shortage of like microchips that's why PS5s and Xbox XS's uh, mm-hmm. are scarce at the moment is just they're out of parts basically yeah. so it's just super rare to find them yet they're still like hey these are going to be the next big thing so you better get one now all your friends are going to have one too yeah same thing with the switch it sold out mm. fast oh i still want a fucking switch but we bought our Switch March 1st before lockdown. And then oh, as smart. soon as lockdown happened, it was just, we got our tax refund and we're like, let's be adults and go get a Switch. <laughs> I bought a couch. <laughs> mine. Yeah, it was a great decision because, yeah, lockdown. Although I've gotten a little burnout on it. So I haven't, my, I see, oh, here's the problem. I got obsessed with Animal Crossing because it was just calming. And now it's been so long since I've been to my island that I know that when I log on, they're all going to judge me for not coming back to my island and everything's going to be grown up. So now I don't want to be judged. So I have anxiety and I don't want to go back on it. So that's that's fine. I'm great. Everything's fine. I love video games. Like I said, I get to a point where I get too into them and then the rest of my life starts falling behind. So I have to. Don't play cyberpunk right now. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get lost. Also, yeah. just massive glitches and bugs. But I have to say that was one of the cool things about running a teen center is that part of my job was playing video games. And yeah, that was like fun. the coolest part of it was, mm. although I suck at them. So like Mortal Kombat <laughs> and stuff, they would just murder me because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I don't play them. I mean, I have them, but I don't play them because I, I suck. I suck at yeah. them. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm the guy that crouches and then just eh, eh, quick attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just hitting buttons, but yeah, a lot of games too. You know, you're talking about angry parents, and mm. that was really big in the '90s. The way it was like, oh, video games are gonna rot your brain and they're gonna ruin you. But like, video games have been scientifically proven to help with your brain development mm. and your hand-eye coordination. Puppies. Hold that on. I, I completely agree. It's not only that, but. I'm one to say that depending on the person, okay, depending on the person, violent video games can be therapeutic. It can be very cathartic. It can be the outlet to unleash your anger. That's what I had to do for therapy sometimes was play like Doom and, you know, beat the shit out of some demons. Therefore, I'm not taking it out on someone, but I know, unfortunately, there's some people that just can't distinguish between the two. And that's really unfortunate. And of course, everybody's going to use them as scapegoats. Oh yeah. And there's always, you know, an exception to everything, but Mm -hmm. I I ran into problems because I did have some fighting games at the library. They were all rated for kids or whatever, but people would yell at me and I'm like, no, this is, but there's been proof that things like grand theft auto and those racing games, their reaction Mm -hmm. times are quicker for playing oh, yeah. that as a kid. So it's definitely been beneficial. I had a I had an opportunity. It was expensive as fuck. But I had a company come in with a VR unit. Oh. Virtual reality. It was like a pod. And then the kid would get in the pod. And then have the goggles and stuff. And mm-hmm. then it had a screen that projected everything that they saw for everybody else. And so I had it in the auditorium of the library. And some oh, old guy awesome. walked by. It was a robot thing, so you were shooting robots, but then that guy got in my face and was like, you're teaching them to shoot up schools. And I'm like, <sighs> this is a military simulation. I can give you the science behind it, but this is a STEM program. There's nothing violent about it. There's proof, you know, whatever. But the guy's like, I'm going to go to the mayor. And I was like, tell me when you're going to be there and I'll meet you there. <laughs> He's just so bad that I was so calm about it and defending <sighs> video games. But it was like, I worked in an area where like the poverty levels were so high that we qualified for full programs to feed them every, every meal, you know? So 
a lot of these kids would never get the opportunity to play with VR. And that's what I was trying to explain to him. Like, what if this kid is playing with virtual reality and was like, this is what I want to do when I grow up, you know, like we're giving them opportunities to do stuff with video games, to learn that there's opportunities out there. And it, it does it, the creativity. So I was like, I don't feel guilty at all. <laughs> like you can go talk to my boss, you can yell at me, but I made mm-hmm. those kids life that day. And I was, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's, that's what matters. I mean, I mean, my son's four, almost five, but he is autistic. And I would say that video games have helped his speech oh, yeah. tremendously. Like, I, I will give credit to, the, to his teachers, mm-hmm. but uh, the fact that he is, like, obsessed with one point-and-click game. Hi. Hi, <laughs> Hi Tommy. That he... Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That, like, now he loves Lego video games. Yeah. Just, all that is helping his speech, helping him focus, helping him problem solve. And I'm just like, uh, case in point. I mean, yeah. hello. But yeah. again, it's like, of course, I have the quality control. I'm a huge fan of that, especially yeah. with a lot of the world building games. It's mm-hmm. critical thinking. You know, you have to use math to figure out stuff like Minecraft takes a lot of thinking to figure out like what goes with yeah. what to make that and then how to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm a big fan, especially like STEM and robotics. All that oh, comes yeah. from like video games are a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if I ever have a tiny human, if, if. I would be all for video games. It's a way of learning. That was a good segment. I like that. Good job, Jolly J. Yay. Yay. Uh, oh, man. So you ready for mine? It's No, it's... I'm not. Bye. <laughs> Don't leave me. I could have gone a lot of places with this, honestly, but I decided to land on this topic entirely so that I could quote the Big Lebowski, <laughs> oh which I have many times seamlessly throughout this segment. And we can make it a drinking game. So every time you think you hear one, take a shot. <laughs> okay. So we are talking about the history of bowling. Yeah. Okay. This ended up being way cooler than I thought it was going to be. So I'm excited to excite you. Did something <laughs> involve decapitated heads? Um, There is a decapitation mentioned. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm interested. Violence. Have I? Have Yay. I intrigued you? Okay. <laughs> The game is a target sport and it's considered a recreational activity where a player rolls a ball towards pins in bowling or at targets in, you guessed it, target bowling. So they're two different things. Fun fact, the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth countries, a few of them, bowling is still referred to as lawn bowls, which just sounds really fancy. Oh, Europe. I'm going to go play the lawn bowls. Oh, pip pip cheerio. Time to play the lawn bowls. (laughs) I want to be in the UK right now. Uh, anywho, I imagine we all know the basic gist of bowling, but just in case you don't, here's a very oversimplified explanation. <laughs> in pin bowling, the goal is to knock over pins on a long playing surface known as a lane, and they really like super lube this thing up. A strike is achieved when all the pins are knocked down on the first roll, and then a spare is achieved if you knock all the pins down in the second roll. So a gutter ball, which I'm very familiar with, is when the bowling ball rolls off the main strip into the side gutters. I'm a terrible bowler. Like, I eventually Uh, warm up to, like, actually scoring stuff. But, like, the beginning, I'm just, everything's a gutter and I'm just cussing a lot. It's not pretty. This is why I prefer billiards. Yes. So it's all strikes and gutters, ups and downs. I just fucked that up. Strikes (laughs) and gutters. Uppers and downers, everybody. (laughs) Uppers and downers. She's telling us the truth. (laughs) Yeah. You know you have problems. Take a shot. That was my first quote from Big Lebowski. (laughs) Common types of pin bowling include 10 pin, candle pin, duck pin, nine pin, five pin, and no shit, it's called a Kegel. <laughs> is it said the same? I don't know, but we're gonna say that because it's spelled just like the vaginal one. So we're just gonna call it Kegel. <laughs> it's German for Skittle, which Skittle is another word for this game. The more you know, uh, it's not just candy; it's delicious. Candy. Did you know? <laughs> In Skittle, it's a game where a player rolls a plastic or wood ball down a lane, known as a Kegelbahn, and it hits nine Kegels. So that's the name for the pin. 
Target bowling, the aim is usually to get the ball as close to the mark as possible. The surface of the target bowling can be grass, gravel, or synthetic, kind of like a lane. And there's different versions like the lawn bowl, bocce, carpet bowl, or pintanque. I think I, I googled that and I still forgot. And then bulls. And they have indoor and outdoor. So history. The Histra. The Histra. Histra. Believe it or not, bowling and bowls are games that have ancient origins. What? This bad yeah. boy, it predates the Roman Empire, Jesus Ooh. Christ himself, the Olympics, and even the Mexican Pyramid at Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. Why can't? Why am I saying Quan? Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. <laughs> I don't know why I kept saying Quan, Quan, Quan. Quan, Quan. This is like the one thing I know how to pronounce. This story really starts at the turn of the century with an archaeologist named William Matthews Flinders Petre, or Flinders Petre for short. By 1895, he had already established himself as perhaps the world's leading Egyptologist. Fun fact, he's the dude that measured and triangulated the Great Pyramids, the tombs, and other ancient Egyptian buildings. And those calculations remain the standard that historians use today. So this guy's a big deal. He's also the dude that measured Stonehenge and had the first, you know, theories as to what is it. It's 1895, not 1930. Almost every source that I got from a bowling site said 1930. But then like history was like, no, that's wrong. Stop saying that. So stop saying that. It's 1895. Okay. So this dude began working on a cemetery site in Nakata. Nakata? I think it's Nakata. A town on the west bank of the Nile. He excavated nearly 3,000 thousand graves all of them filled with you know things people are taking to the afterlife so he found a bunch that weren't robbed at this point many of them were children's graves and in them huh. were a lot of toys and games and probably a rug that really ties the room together god damn it okay that one i recognized <laughs> really tie the room together you know my fucking rug uh, if anybody's never watched the boat lebowski you have to Petrie was known to keep really detailed notes, and this is what he wrote in his notebook about this particular grave. Quote, in a large grave of a child was found a group of stone balls, etc., shown in figure seven. The original arrangement is quite unknown as they were found loose in the earth. The nine vase-shaped stones, none of them pierced for suspension, and they can only stand on their circular flat ends. This leads us to suppose that the nine face shaped pieces were to stand on this end and to be played with the balls, which were just suited in size and weight for such purpose. So our dude found nine pins similar to bowling pins. And then he found four marble side balls that were heavy like bowling balls. And he was like, boom, bowling. And it's very possible that he did discover the first evidence of bowling. And this was 3200 BCE. So that's over 5200 years old. If it's the case, this is very, very old. I say And with that, you would think, how the hell did they, like, come up with that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to roll this ball against some pins. It's just very curious to find, like, oh, the most simplistic thing. How did that come about? And it's it's really interesting that it popped up all over the world, a similar thing. Like, I'm going to roll this heavy thing because it's too heavy to throw. And then I'm going to knock something over. And then it's also interesting that all the pins are very similar depending on where you're at too. So it's just kind of interesting that everybody kind of developed it. But I would like to throw it out there that this is not definitive evidence that this is the absolute first thing that we've ever found. It Sure, it does look like bowling from us looking back as people that have all bowled, right? But this guy admitted that, oh, what was that? Oh, something just hit the wall behind me. <laughs> no, what? Not, who's here? No, the dog's by me. I don't know. If I get murdered, it's on camera. Okay. It looks a lot like modern day bowling, but the figures that he drew were an interpretation of what he was seeing. So these items weren't found together. And he even says that, like, I found some balls over here and then I found these pin looking things over here. So he could have just had bowling on the brain and then decided this is bowling. So it's not necessarily bowling but it could be bowling for soup (laughs) there's my reference for the day all right good night folks so it could go either way but more recently professor etta brescani 
He's an Egyptologist at the University of Pisa, and his team found evidence of an ancient Egyptian game that was a mixture of bowling, billiards, and lawn bowls. It was played at North, oh God, Narmathias in the Fayum region, which is about 55 miles, 90 kilometers south of Cairo. And it was played in a spacious room that appeared to be one of the first indoor bowling alleys. And this definitely makes the case stronger for bowling in Egypt. This was much later, though. So this is about 2nd and 3rd century CE. So this would be closer to the Roman era. But it still, you know, could add more evidence to bowling already being in Egypt at this point. So I will explain this game now. The room was part of a structure, probably residential. And inside the room was a lane and two stone balls. The lane was about 13 feet which is four meters long, eight inches, 20 centimeters centimeters wide, and then four inches, 10 centimeters deep. And then there was a four inch, 10 centimeter wide square opening in the center. And then under that hole was a giant terracotta vase that had sand in it. You with me now? (laughs) I think so. Okay. So big long lane, and then there's one hole, and then there's big vase underneath it to catch. That's what she said. <laughs> and the balls had different diameters. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> one one fitted exactly to the square opening, and then another. <laughs> Did it break you? <laughs> got him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you got me. So there's one that's fitted to the square opening, and then there's another one that could run smoothly along the lane. So this guy says the game is played with two people, and they were at opposite sides of this lane. So the idea is whoever's throwing the ball in the lane is trying to keep the person from getting their ball in the hole. He says, quote, they would throw the balls at the exact same time. Most likely the bigger ball was thrown along the lane to prevent the smaller ball from entering the hole. And when this happened, the smaller ball could easily be recovered from that terracotta base underneath. And the winner was whoever got as many of the balls in that hole more times. (laughs) The Egyptian roots are a little more iffy and it looks a lot different from what we play today. But the game can also be traced back to ancient Yemen, Germany, and Finland. Hi, Taru. In Polynesia, archaeologists have also found balls of stone and pins that were utilized for a game called Ula Maika. Maika? Ula Ula Maika, I think. And here, players had to knock down targets from a distance of 60 feet, which is the distance of modern-day bowling. Hmm. Except modern-day is nine pins. Various forms of bowling were noted by Herodotus. According to him, the invention was of the Lydians in Asia Minor. Minor. Why why is that the word I can't say? Jesus Christ. Asia Minor. Another rough form of bowling evolved within the Roman Empire borders about 2,000 years ago. Roman soldiers used to toss stone objects, trying to get them as close as possible to other stone objects. Centuries later, this evolved into bocce ball. And this is outdoor bowling. The game was played by the Gaelic tribe Helveti in northern Italy during Caesar's rule in 50 BCE. So in the 5th century CE, the game started to take shape more like bowling as we know it. The location of this development was around the German borders. And bowling was still not a sport at the time. It was actually ceremonial. It was religious. Who knew bowling started out as religious? That sounds about right, though. I mean, everything kind of started out religious. Music. That's true. Mm. So so this is how they put this together. Pins were seen as evil spirits or demons. And when they were toppled by the stone objects, the participants could cleanse their spirits and free their souls. As centuries were passing, stone materials were switched for wooden to create balls and pins. So William Pele. I know that guy. He's a nihilist. Ding, ding, ding. Another shot. Oh. I'm nailing this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) He's actually a medieval historian. He claims that there's evidence that bowling in Germany began around 300 CE. And the game was played in cloisters and cathedrals where there was a custom of having parishioners, according to ancient chronicles of Paderborn. Parishioners would be given a ball and asked to throw it at the Kegel. We're back to the Kegels. In the case of a hit, the thrower is considered not to be a sinner. I would be in so much trouble. I can't hit shit. If you don't hit it, the parishioner is supposed to attend services more often and seek penance. So I would have all the sin. So would I. Womp womp. At the end of the 12th century, William Fitzstephen 
This Stefan <laughs> published a book, quote, Survey of London, in which he summarized the game sports of England in the 12th century. And he made several references to bowling in his book. And we find that bowling alleys were common as early as the 12th century. Indeed, they were very much like the modern bowling alleys of today where customers were charged to play a game. And his accounts are very clear. Bowling was popular. It was popular within the rich, the poor, the old, the young, everybody. So that was pretty damn That's cool. Good. Yeah. In 1299, the oldest surviving known bowling green for target style bowling was built. It was Masters Close, which is now Old Bowling Green at Southampton Bowling Club. So it's still in use, which is wild to me. $12.99, and this thing is still being used. The first roofed bowling alley was built in 1455. And this modernized bowling, and it made it an all-weather sport. Because it rains a lot in England, you know? So now that it has... What? Right? Who knew? Huh. (laughs) So fun fact, Martin Luther, we've all heard of him, right? With his little treatises and the the door he was reportedly really into bowling and he actually built a lane in his backyard so that he and his kids could play and he's actually credited for being the dude to say hey we need to just do nine pins because some people were doing like 17 and he's like too much we're gonna do nine eventually bowling separated from the church and became a secular sport across european countries such as switzerland spain austria and scandinavian countries where it's not unusual to see bowling greens at rich people's estates (sighs) to live in a rich place with bowling alley that'd be that'd be great but around this time the game started to gain a bad reputation due to its associations with gambling and drinking oh that boo is terrible for you This is probably the funniest thing I've read all day. Too many soldiers of the Royal Army were spending most of their off-duty time bowling, so they weren't practicing their archery skills. (laughs) Those skills were apparently essential to the national defense during the Hundred Years' War, so King Edward III was pissed and decided to ban the game, so this became a grist of national security. (laughs) Huh. Well, now we know. Now you know. And more than one British monarch tried to ban commoners and peasants from participating in bowling, along with other sports. They did that, too. Mm. They thought they were a waste of time and encouraged gambling. So in 1477, King Edward IV decreed the commoners playing sports was a finable offense. Quote, (laughs) whoever shall occupy a place of cloche, kales, half bowl, hand in, hand out, or quack board (laughs) shall be three years imprisoned. And forfeit 20 pounds. I did some Googling. And in 1470s, 20 pounds could buy you 26 horses, 50 cows, 142 stones of wool, 54 quarters of wheat. And it was approximately 666 days of wages if you were a skilled tradesman. That's so much money. Today, it would be... Of 14,958 pounds for playing bowling. (laughs) In other words, this is a very aggressive punishment for bowling. This aggression will not stand, man. Oh, Uh. next next Lebowski quote. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Gonna get you drunk. All right, so fast forward to 1511. King Henry VIII, known for making heads roll, see, decapitation. Oh, there we go. He also liked rolling some bowling balls. He and his friends were fans of lawn bowling, and he made sure that he had alleys in all his palaces, like Hampton and Whitehall. He even built a court in Westminster Palace for Anne Boleyn, who was also a fan of the game. I'm a big fan of Anne Boleyn, so that made me happy. He wanted to make the game more exclusive and declared that bowling should be illegal for common people, and that, quote, no manner of persons could at any time play any bowl or bowls in open places out in his garden or orchard. Those who broke the law would receive a statutory fine of six shillings and eight pence. Though, according to Shepherd noblemen who owned property valued at more than a hundred pounds, could obtain a bowling license and they could play. So, if you had enough money, you could get a license. This is just wild. So, this mm. is less intense. Six shillings, shillings and eight pence is about eleven days' work. Can't even buy a cow for that. But that you, is the most British thing you said. Oi, six shillings and eight eight toughens. Oi. 
11 days work. Yes. So that's about 240 pounds today. Hmm. So a little, I mean, it's still way too much money to pay to play bowling, but you know, whatever. So another English law passed in 1541 and it was repealed in 1845. That's a really long time. Wow. This prohibited workers from bowling except for Christmas and it was only allowed at their master's home and in their presence. So they're like, we're going to be kind and let you play on Christmas. Only if I'm there, though. I have to be there. I want to play. I want to work on my game with you. <laughs> and this is a fun little historical nugget. On July 19th, 1588, English Vice Admiral Sir Francis Drake allegedly was playing bowling at Plymouth Ho. <laughs> Sorry. I'm an adult. I could Google that <laughs> When the arrival of the Spanish Armada was announced, he replied, oh. quote, we have time enough to finish the game and beat the Spaniards, too. He lost the game, but he won the war. So that's fun for him. And then Sir Francis Drake, also tying back to Uncharted. Haha, connections. <laughs> Full circle. Yay. The game eventually reached the United States due to the Dutch and English immigrants. It was first written about in 1818 in Washington Irving's book, Rip Van Winkle. And Irving is the dude that wrote Sleepy Hollow. So shameless plug, I talked about it on a drunk dive on Patreon. So you should join Patreon. (laughs) Patreon.com slash historically Yay. And initially bowling was a nine pin game in America. But since the game was associated with drinking and gambling, banned it. They were like, you cannot play nine pins. So in response, a lot of the place added a 10th pin because they're like, not the same game. We can play this now. And they renamed it 10 pin. However, the town, technicalities. Of, so the town of Perry in New York State had already passed laws that said they were going to ban the game regardless of the number of pins. It happened that the will of the people proved to be stronger than the populator bowling. It didn't fail, even though there was laws against it. People found ways of playing. Mostly Mm. going off into places outside the city. And then the Germans started coming in and they're like, fuck yeah, we love this game. On January 1st, 1840, Knickerbocker Alley in New York (laughs) opened, becoming the first indoor bowling alley in the United States. Knickerbocker. Knickerbocker. By 1864, the first bowling manual was written by a cotton merchant from Glasgow named William Wallace Michael. It soon became a manifest of popular play worldwide. And then the progress led to the formation of the American Bowling Congress in 1895 after the basic rules were kind of codified. And then they included equipment regulations. And the first championship tournament was held in 1901. Hmm. And then in 1903, Illinois institutionalized a handicap method for bowling. Just a few years later was the first women's bowling club. I'm actually surprised how early on they were kind of inclusive making it accessible they can play bowling earlier than they can vote yeah and then a technological leap enabled the usage of more sophisticated materials for manufacturing bowling balls the first rubber ball used in bowling was 1905 and it was called the ever true so fancy and then a decade later the brunswick corporation developed a ball made of mineralite and before this balls were just made out of hardwood so now they're making it kind huh. of like a lighter rubbery in 1908 the now oldest surviving bowling alley for the 10 pin sport was opened in milwaukee wisconsin in the basement of the holler house tavern now contains the oldest sanctioned lanes in the united states don't you know don't you know (laughs) Uh, of course bowling in the states also became associated with drinking and gambling and then there was prohibition Oh no! Oh no! And then bowling became bowling alleys. Meanwhile, it was like a speakeasy. I had no idea. Uh, Some of them. It makes sense though. Others didn't want to go the speakeasy route, and they became more family friendly. And they encouraged women to bowl because you know ladies can't be near all that drinking and bad stuff. Sure. But then, after Prohibition ended in the 1930s, beer companies started to sponsor professional and semi-professional teams to promote their brand, like Pabst, which beer and bowling go together. Like yeah. You can't, it just, it, even if you're, like, thinking about, like, TV or movies or just visualizing a bowling alley, somebody's always drinking a beer. Yeah. 
That was a very good marketing choice on their part because it stuck. <laughs> the American Machine Foundry Company acquired patents to put the into the pin boy. It was just a kid that just reset all the pins after every time you play. <laughs> I wonder how many times I got just nailed. People are jerks. I'm sure they just try to hit yeah. those poor kids. And the uh, automatic pin spotter was introduced in 1952. Sweden began installing the first 10-pin lanes at the beginning of the 20th century. And interestingly, other European countries didn't really popularize the sport until, like, World War II. Great Britain embraced the sport in the heat of World War II, and several hundreds of lanes were installed in military camps. That's wonderful. You know, like a little morale booster. That's fun. And during the 1950s, bowling underwent major technical improvements, such as the ball, scoring monitors that show your speed and path of the ball, and some more. Mm. And then the 50s also abolished its all-white male policy and allowed both women and African Americans to become members after civil rights activists have protested the organization's segregated policies. This blows my mind. 1950? Yeah, it's still like a good good. 15 years before the Civil Rights Act. So that's just really cool to me. I mean, it's still way too long, but still kind of surprising. Small victories. Yeah. And uh, this is the period where people started developing strategies to how to play. And there's like Mm. techniques. Me, I just throw it and hope for the best. (laughs) Not too well. Not only professionally, but it also became fun family sport. People participate in holidays, birthday parties, school trips. And they just started increasing nationwide. According to documents, the first national competition took place in 1891. The first world tournament took place in 1954 in Helsinki in Finland. Bowling has evolved from a sport played in the streets to an entertainment played by celebrities and presidents. In 1948, two bowling alleys were installed in the ground floor of the West Wing in the White House as a birthday gift for Harry S. Truman. And then it was moved into the old executive office building, now the Eisenhower Executive Office Building in 1955. And they moved it there so that employees could play. So that's that's nice. nice. Yeah. Bowling was first demonstrated in the Olympics in 1988. Over 20 nations competed in the demonstration, although no medals were awarded because it wasn't an official Olympic sport. To this day, bowling has not been added. It came really close. So in 2015, it made the top eight potential new sports be added, but then they cut it for the 2020 Olympics because of financial reasons. They'd have to build a bowling alley. Okay, Um, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, the 2020 Olympics didn't happen, so I don't know if that means maybe it'll get added. Who knows? But I can't be worried about that shit. Life goes on, man. Bowling is played by 100 million people. In more than 90 countries, it's popular. Approximately 70 million people in the United States bowl at least once a year. And nearly 50 million people bowl at least twice a year. And it is a $10 billion billion industry. And there was even a 90s sports comedy with Woody Harrelson called Kingpin. That was a bowling comedy. Yes. And it. Oh, so many good ones. And bowling has had some big moments in pop culture. I mean, yeah. obviously, Big Lebowski. It yeah. brought to the screen, you know, the dudeness, the duder, the El Duderino. <laughs> and his friends are just hanging in a bowling alley with a beer in hand throughout this crime comedy, except on Shabos. Because you can't roll on Shabos. <laughs> And it shows up in a lot of TV shows. There's The Simpsons, Homer is in a league, and The Flintstones. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a Half Men, I think he was in a league. Parks and Rec had a whole episode where they do like a charity bowl off. Hell, even Busta Rhymes did a pro bowler association commercial with his song, Give It To. (laughs) That's awesome. I watched it today and it was like, oh, that's fun. And then Lil Wayne actually had a really famous interview with Katie Couric. At a bowling alley. He's a very good bowler. Apparently he's been bowling since he was 16. But yes, so that's bowling. And it was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. That really was, though. You'd think it would just be... Of course, my mind is going, oh, it was... They would cut off the heads of people and then roll it down (laughs) the alley. And then that's, that's the origin of bowling. I mean, I'm sure that that maybe did happen at one point, but... 
I mean, human curiosity, but oh, still yeah. very fascinating. I mean, if you think about it, if you've ever been bored and you have like a rock or something, we just throw it and hit stuff. I'm sure somebody's like, yeah. we can make this work. Instead of a rock, make it round so you can roll <laughs> it. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Like I said, exactly. the fact that it popped up in, you know, Africa and mm -hmm. Polynesia and Europe all around the same times. And it's all, I mean, variations. Like I said, there's two kinds, yeah. like you got the rolling or you got the toss and sit, but they're all very similar. Something about human nature wanting to just throw shit. <laughs> <laughs> but Mood. thank you so much for joining me. This yes, thank fun. you. Hey there, Giggle Water Gang. Thank you so much for listening to Games Part 3. I want to thank Jolly J again for joining me. I had such a good time. He is hilarious, you guys. And I love that we just kind of touched on the history of video games. And I am motivated to have a whole episode on this because it's just so much. But I think all of us have so many cool experiences with video games. I'm just geeking out over here. If you would like to join Patreon and watch these live or watch every past episode video form with all the deleted scenes and bloopers, you can go to patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And there's so many benefits, you guys. The list is so long. So if you just go and look at Patreon and you can look at what each tier offers, I promise you so much stuff. I'm constantly sending things. We do gift drawings. We have movie nights. We just watched Harley Quinn together, the cartoon on HBO. It was so much fun. So definitely check that out. Become part of the fam. Speaking of Patreon, I have some shout outs this week. I am so excited. We have a new brilliant AF member of the fam, James. And James is the first person to take advantage of this new feature on Patreon where you can pay for a full year and get a discount. And um, that's exciting to me because my nerd ass was just happy that somebody made a commitment to deal with me for a full year. How exciting is that? I am just so happy that you've joined the fam, James. And I can't wait to get to know you more. I can't wait to find out what kind of nerd you are, what your history likes and dislikes are. And I'm probably making it weird. I'm probably coming on way too strong right now because I'm just really excited to get to know you. <laughs> So thank you, James. Thank you so much for joining the fam. And just thank you so much for the support. And by joining, you are helping me keep this podcast going. And I just hope you know how much that means and just how incredibly helpful that is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And also, my mom, you might remember her from episode eight, I think, the dowry goat, the letter that will live in infamy and go down in history. I truly hope someday that some historian in generations, centuries, centuries ahead stumbles on this podcast. And for one, they're just confused. I think that'd be hilarious. And two, I hope that they listen to this dowry goat letter and they think that's how weddings worked. I'm hoping anyway. Anyway, my mom's really funny. She doesn't give herself enough credit. I'm going to try desperately to get her on the podcast when I go home because I am vaccinated. She's going to be fully vaccinated on May 1st. My sister's going to be fully vaccinated by May 1st. I'm just pumped to fly home. But I feel like I'm going to bombard her, put her on the episode so you guys can hear for yourselves the hilarity that ensues. But anyway, the whole point of this is that my mom upped her pledge to a prolific AF patron. I'm like, mom, you're my mom. I'd give this all to you for free because I love you. And she's like, no, no, I, I want to support you. So way to make me cry, mom. <laughs> And I'm not going to be mailing you your mason jar because every quarter you get a gift if you're a prolific AF patron. So this quarter, they all got booze glasses that say, I like history and maybe three people. Super cute. So I'm not mailing yours. I'm going to deliver it in person because you're my mom and I'm going to be visiting. <laughs> you're welcome. Again, you can join Patreon at patreon.com slash historical AF pod. Also, I need listener stories, like, really bad. I don't think we have enough for this month of April's extras. So please, if you have an idea that you've been wanting to send in a while, please send it. You can email it at historicalafpod at gmail.com. Or if it's easier for you to just DM it, you can DM it on all the social media. I will get it, I promise. You can find me on TikTok. You can send it to me on there. I am not picky. I just want to hear your stories. If you want to check out merch, that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. And you can also go to Kenis, nope, you can go to Etsy.com slash Kenis creations. 
You can go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Kenis Creations, and that's Creations with a K. And that will have things like wine glasses, beer glasses, koozies, shot glasses, all the boozy things that I can't sell in the other shop. For the entirety of the month of April, if you leave a review at podchaser.com slash historical AF pod, they are donating a quarter to Meals on Wheels. And that is if you review the entire podcast or you can go through each individual episode in review and I can respond and that's an extra quarter. So together we can donate 50 cents a review and I highly recommend it. It's for a good cause. It helps me out. The reviews are really beneficial of the podcast. I'll see you next week for a new theme. It is inventions and or inventors. And my first guest will be thanks. I hate it podcast. I'm so excited. Okay. Bye. (laughs) 